Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman. That's Joel Johnson, certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. You can see him every weekend on Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sunland. Also, WCBV Channel 5 in Boston. You can see Better Money. He's written eight of his own books. The Money Map is the most famous. Joel, always a pleasure, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm feeling really good. Uh, my kids are doing good. The family's doing well. So I'm going to take advantage of this particular time in the Johnson family household to say everything is going quite well, and I'm very grateful. Always good to hear that. And uh, what if we start you out? I, I have several questions for you before we get into the, the main topic of our show today, which is going to be common complaints that people have about their financial advisors. Are those legitimate complaints or are those things that they need to just get over? But before we get to that, I'm curious to know uh, in terms of the conversations you've been having with your clients recently, there's a lot of data out there that would suggest that May was maybe the peak of the, the home buying frenzy. And yes, you know, home prices across the country are still up, but home showings peaked in May and mortgage applications and all that. So maybe we have seen the top. What are the conversations you're having right now with clients about buying and selling homes? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, most of our clients, John, as you know, are within a couple of years of retirement or they've, they're already retired. And so we don't have a lot of discussion about people uh, buying homes unless it's about their children. Many times it's about their children trying to find a home that's affordable in an area that they want to work in. But we do not have a lot of clients buying and selling homes. Um, now, that said, um, I will say that I don't see uh, we were just out to dinner with a couple a couple um, a few nights back, Wendy and I. And they had recently bought a place along the coast, and uh, we were fortunate enough to buy a place along the coast here in Connecticut. And the market is still really hot along the coast in Connecticut, as I suspect it is in places like Rhode Island and Massachusetts. I don't know if that's just specific to vacation type or retirement type of homes, or it is across our northeast region. Um, but I will say I don't see any evidence locally of homes slowing down as far as home sales. Uh, we had a question in the mailbag that kind of relates to this uh, because it's about the home. So let me go ahead and throw that at you now. Uh, this is from Bruce who says, I'm thinking about putting in a swimming pool, or maybe I should say that my wife and daughter are campaigning very hard for a swimming pool. Uh, I question whether or not it's a wise investment because I don't think it would actually increase the value of the home by the amount it would take to install it. But if I do it, should I just take out a home equity loan to pay for it. Joel, I wanted to ask you this for two reasons. One, I'm curious just in your thoughts on the mechanics of how do we pay for something like that? But maybe more importantly, I'm curious about your perspective on how do we evaluate what makes a good purchase or a good investment where it's the kind of thing where, yeah, maybe it doesn't increase the value of the home, but also we're going to enjoy it. We're just paying for enjoyment and entertainment. How do you make decisions on things like that? So I do not in no way, shape, or form make a decision like that based on the increase of the value of the home. Now, it is an investment, but it's an investment in your marriage and your relationship with your daughter. It's not, I would not measure it in the form of, you know, am I going to get the money back out that I put into it? Because statistically speaking, you probably won't. So you just have to look at it like you said, John, as, you know, am I going to enjoy it? Is this, you know, you pay for a vacation, you don't 
get a return on it except you get you enjoy the vacation i think you need to look at things like certain home improvements and certainly installing a pool in your home is something where you're doing it to enjoy it um i would not bring into the calculation any type of return you're going to get because there's a possibility at least in the case of our home that we bought 14 actually almost 17 years we've been in the home now and we put in a swimming pool i don't think it increased the value unless the right buyer comes along and looks at it and says oh you know i'll pay a little extra for that or it might sway them into buying the house but for me to put a return on it i don't think there is really a return um, on that pool what about the mechanics of, of doing it? Is it okay to pull out a home equity loan or what, what's the best approach there? Yeah, I think it's fine to do a home equity loan. In today's interest rates, interest rates are so incredibly low. I just think, you know, anytime I hear somebody, they're going to pull out a home equity loan. It's one thing if you have if you could pay cash and instead you're doing a home equity loan or maybe you could pay for half of it and instead you're doing a home equity loan. But if you don't have any cash, any emergency money, anything like that, and you have to do a home equity loan to build a pool or do some kind of a large purchase, um, I would question the fact whether you should even make that purchase or not. So um, again, I think doing a home equity loan for something big like a pool, it's going to cost a lot of money if that's an in-ground pool. You know, it should be, well, I can do a home equity loan or I can pay cash. It shouldn't be, I can't pay anything and I've got to do a home equity loan. That would, that would make me question whether the person should actually spend that kind of money. Very interesting. All right. So thanks for answering that, Joel. Bruce, hope that helps you. And uh, I said we were going to talk about some common complaints that people have about their advisors. Joel, I want you to tell us if this is a legitimate complaint that somebody might make or, you know, maybe it's just something they need to communicate better or something like as an example, we'll sometimes hear people say, my advisor just takes too much risk. Um, is that a legitimate complaint or is that just sort of the nature of investing? Well, I think that's a valid complaint because whether or not the advisor is taking too much risk, the client should not feel like they are. And so I think that's a legitimate complaint. Now, you know, maybe the advisor's done a poor job of explaining the portfolio that the advisor has set up for the client. I, I don't know the answer to that, but the client should not feel that way. And so is the, you know, is the advisor taking too much risk? Maybe, but the bigger problem there is the communication. You know, the advisor either isn't taking too much risk and hasn't communicated with the client very well, or the advisor is taking too much risk and is not listening to the client. So there is definitely a problem if the client is feeling like the advisor is taking too much risk. Do you find where you have folks come in to visit with you and you find that they have way too much risk for their age, whether they realized it or not? Yeah, as a general rule, when people come in that are working with other advisors or even maybe they're managing their own money inside their 401k, as a general rule, people are taking more risk than they have to and more risk than they realize. Let me just dig into those two topics for a minute. More risk than they realize just because many times what is familiar feels less risky. And so if they if they've owned certain mutual funds for a long period of time or they're just, you know, used to everybody owning certain funds within the 401k or they recognize the names of the funds and so on, it's easy because of this familiarity bias that we all have as human beings to feel like we're not taking as much risk as we really are. The other thing is a lot of people have done a great job saving. They're in better shape than they think they are and they don't have to take risk. So there's a lot of people that feel like they have to take risk to catch up or to be okay and they really don't. So twofold answer there. One is most people are taking more risk than they have to and more people are taking more risk than they realize. And this is a big problem because sooner or later this market's gonna drop. It always does. 
Look back at history, 20%, 30%, 40%. Don't be surprised when it happens. Don't listen to people that are surprised when it happens. That's just the normal inhaling and exhaling of an economy and of markets. And when it does, you want to ask yourself the question, number one, do you need to take the kind of risk that exposes your portfolio to that big of a drop? And number two, if you're working with an advisor, are they protecting you against that? It's important they have protection against the big market downturn. And I'm not talking about hiding all the money in the bank. I'm just saying, are you protected in a way where you still get the return that you need to be okay for retirement, but you're not taking so much risk, it puts you in a situation where either you have regrets when the market goes down, maybe there's now a problem if you have a spouse or a partner, um, you're arguing about you know what could have been done before you lost the money. You don't want to put yourself in that position. And again, most people, at least that we talk to, that are listening to this program, have done a good job saving. Here's a aha moment for you. You know, people that don't do a good job with their own money do not listen to this program. They just don't listen to financial programs. They're watching The Bachelor or whatever they're doing. No offense to those that watch The Bachelor. But people that are doing a good job with their money are constantly trying to learn about money. And most of you have saved plenty of money for retirement. It just needs to be managed correctly. I'm very intrigued by something you said there. You said that sometimes the familiar feels less risky. And I bet that's true, not just with your investing life, right? But, you know, do I take a chance and start this business? Well, no, I'm just going to keep the job I have. That's familiar. Or maybe should I just change jobs? A little bit of a risk. Well, maybe keeping the job you have is more of a risk, but because it's familiar, that seems less risky. Really good point you make there. Yeah, there's been amazing books written recently just on different biases that we have. It's called they're called, called cognitive biases. They're deep in our psychological makeup and sometimes they go way way back to, you know, primitive times when uh, every reaction was, you know, how can I eat enough and how can I survive? You know, how do I keep the tiger away and how do I find enough food and you know, those things run pretty deep and especially as our society moves away from a risk-taking society to a safety-driven society, and that's not everybody, but certainly you can look back at the last couple of years, you know, we are driven a lot more by safety than we used to be, or by the perception of safety, that people get very comfortable with the familiar. Um, and there are other biases too, but that's a big bias, and it lulls people to sleep when it comes to their money. They think, well, gee, if everybody owns XYZ mutual fund or everybody owns Tesla stock, it must be okay. And the smart people on Wall Street are saying, well, if everybody's going in this direction, they're probably wrong. And so there's this, there's this different attitude between the professional investors and the individual investors. And what is familiar can sometimes be the biggest risk. Well, on that note, Joel, if somebody isn't really sure what kind of risk they have in their investments right now, and they're trying to figure out how much, first of all, they have, and then how much they should be taking moving forward, uh, give us an idea of how that gets uncovered when they come in for their Money Map Retirement Review. Well, you need us to do a risk analysis for you. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, why don't I just go to my current advisor and get a risk analysis? Well, because they're going to be, again, biased with their, their own recommendations. So when you come in and get that Money Map Retirement Plan, you're going to get a risk analysis. We're going to ask you questions and you're going to we're going to run your investments through a process through a system through a proprietary system that we've built and purchased combination of the two and we're going to do a risk analysis for you and you will see 
when a downturn happens, exactly, historically speaking, how much your portfolio will drop. And you get to decide whether you're comfortable with that. And if somebody has a million dollars saved for retirement, they're going to see, hey, if 2008, 2009 repeats itself, you're going to lose $300,000. Are you comfortable with that? You get to decide how much risk you're comfortable with, but we'll lay it out and show it to you in black and white. And it's really important that you get that. Yes, there are other components to our Money Map Retirement Plan, but right now with what the markets are doing, with the potential of the virus continuing on for a very long period of time, the economic things that will happen if that comes back and we go back through shutdowns, um, if the government continues to spend money, what's that going to do to the value of your investments? You want to find that out, so we'll do that risk analysis for you. It's absolutely free of charge. You just come in, you get your Money Map Retirement Review, we sit down with you, get to know you a little bit, and we will deliver in your hands that report that is a risk analysis. It'll show exactly what you're doing right now, how it would have performed over the last three or four different financial crises, and then you get to be the judge whether it makes sense to continue on the path that you're on. So just give us a call, one 800 705-1232. Once again, that's 1-800-705-1232. Don't pass this up. Make sure you have in your hands that custom risk analysis that we can run for you so you know, number one, are you on the right track? Do you have to take the kind of risk that you're taking? And are you even comfortable with the risk that you're taking? So if you'd like to get that Money Map Retirement Review for yourself, the number to call right now, 800 800- Seven zero five one two three two. That's eight hundred seven zero five twelve thirty two. No cost, no obligation to come in for that review. As Joel described, you'll get a much better understanding of how much risk you have right now. Compare that to what you should be doing for your age and timeline until retirement, and then that'll give you some clues as to how you should be investing moving forward. Eight hundred seven zero five twelve thirty two is the number to call. Eight hundred seven zero five. 1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, let's continue along this conversation we're having about common complaints that people have about their financial advisors. You know, some people say, my advisor takes too much risk. You were describing if that is a legitimate complaint or not. What about my fees are too high? If somebody comes to you and says, well, we want to look at a new financial advisor because my fees are too high. Is that actually, you know, usually you look at their portfolio and you see, oh, wow, the fees really are too high. Or is it more like they're just not getting what they should be getting for the fees that they're paying? Well, it could be either of the two or their fees might be high and they might getting, be getting a tremendous amount of value. You know, it costs more to drive a Mercedes than it does a, what's the Yaris, John? The Yaris is a Toyota, Yaris? I believe it is a Toyota, yes. I'm pretty sure you can only rent those in foreign countries. So, you know, it, it, it should, shouldn't pick on Toyota. They're one of the most, the biggest, most successful car companies there are. But, you know, you can drive a the smallest car Toyota makes or you can drive a Mercedes. People typically don't mind if you can afford to drive a Mercedes, paying for the Mercedes because they're getting value, right? Um, I own an investment that has very high fees, but the net return I get after fees is absolutely phenomenal. So people need to look at their fees from a standpoint of, am I getting value? Is whoever's collecting these fees, are they earning these fees? And sometimes they aren't earning the fees. Sometimes they are. And so you really need to look at, you know, what am I? And by the way, there's another, we did a survey a while back and we found that a lot of people don't understand the fees that they're paying. 
If you ask somebody, hey, how much are you paying in fees? A lot of people don't even know, you know, or worse yet, they say, well, you know, it's free. Well, it's not free. I mean, there's not, you know, T. Rowe Price does not have a skyscraper in Baltimore because it's free. Um, so, you know, somewhere in there, somebody's getting paid, which they should if they're doing a good job. But you really want to understand, you know, what are you paying? Are you getting value for it? Sometimes the fees are high for what you're getting. Sometimes the fees are very reasonable for what you're getting. You want to look at what you are you getting out of the relationship and out of the investments. And that's another important thing I, I should talk about just briefly here is, you know, when we manage money for folks, we get a fee from the money we're managing. It's a certain percentage. But we do much more than just manage the money. We're talking about estate planning, uh, tax strategies. We're talking about, um, you know, should somebody control their assets from the grave because they're worried about maybe their son or daughter's marriage breaking up or somebody spending the money foolishly or maybe one of their kids or grandkids doesn't share their values. There are, there's a lot of planning that we do that's so much more than just managing the client's money, but we happen to get paid by managing the client's money. So that's another thing you want to ask is, what am I getting for that fee? Am I getting more than just the money management? You might be getting an entire relationship that's very comprehensive, and that's important to know also. So you shouldn't really be asking the question. I'll I'll tell you this. You shouldn't be asking the question, gee, what am I paying for? It should be very clear. All right. What if somebody comes to you and their complaint with their advisor is, well, my account didn't grow any or didn't grow much last year. What's your initial thought when you hear that? Well, what's your account invested in and what did the comparative investments do? Um, You know, if you were invested 100% in stocks and the overall stock market index was up 20% and you got 30%, you did great. If it was up 20% and you did 10%, let's find out why. There's, There's a reason why and then you have to look at, well, you know, what put me in the situation where I experienced that reason. So let's say the market was up 20% and you only got 10%. Well, why? Why? Did somebody choose bad investments? Maybe you're not exposed to the market like you thought you were. Maybe only part of your money is exposed to the market. We don't know. We need to get the why. But that's almost the wrong question to ask, which is, you know, why am I not doing as good as the market or why didn't I make any money? Hey, if you didn't lose any money and the market was down 30%, it's not too much different than making 30%, right? Market goes down, you don't lose anything. That's a really good thing. Protection against losses is typically more important than catching all the upside. What about this one, Joel? Uh, a reason somebody might say they're unhappy with their advisor. I only hear from my advisor when he wants to buy or sell a stock. I never get any advice on anything else. That is definitely a problem. There's not a lot to say about that. If the only time you hear from your advisor or your stockbroker, in the case of somebody that's just trying to sell stuff to you, um, is when they want to sell something new to you, then you don't have a financial advisor. You've just got a financial salesperson. So that's some common complaints you might hear people have about their financial advisor. Some, you know, you need to have a more nuanced discussion. Others, as Joel said, if you never hear from your guy other than when he wants you to buy something, That's a problem. Uh, Let's take another couple of mailbag questions here for you, Joel. This one comes from Gail. Gail says, we just found out that in about six months, we're going to become grandparents for the first time. From a financial planning standpoint, what kind of investments should we consider for him or her after birth that would be helpful? We have some friends that recommended buying a life insurance policy on the kid because it's very cheap. Well, I think 
We bought life insurance policies on our kids to give them a start, you know, so that when they turned 18 or 20 or 22 or, you know, in the case of my uh, my second boy, Michael, who got married a few years back, they, they would have something. Um, and just in case their insurability changed, we bought something for them. But the, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that should be the first investment. I think the first investment should be, you know, let's see if we can put, start setting a little bit of money aside for college. Um, these days, it's difficult for parents to save for college. They're typically, or they should be prioritizing saving for their own retirement. And rightly so, if all they can do is save for their own retirement, rightly so, that, that college money kind of goes on the back burner. So I think one of the best things a grandparent can do is get that college fund started. Um, I prefer 529 plans. It's a great way to put money away, have it grow tax-free. If it's used for college, it's tax-free, all the growth on that money. And so I think that's a real home run to use a 529 plan. Um, but I would focus on saving for that grandchild's college. And remember, you can always do something for a little while and then do something else. I, I would not have the first investment be the life insurance. Interesting. All right. Uh, last question from the mailbag today is from Carl, who says, help me out here. I feel like the stock market is due for a correction, so I'd like to move some money out of stocks, but bonds are pitiful right now. Cash is bad because of inflation. I've never been a big believer in gold. Where am I supposed to put money right now? Well, you didn't say Bitcoin, and I, <laughs> I, I, I don't have any money in Bitcoin. That's, let's just leave it at that. I don't have any money in Bitcoin. I can put my money wherever I want, and I don't own any Bitcoin. Um, not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't own any. Uh, you know, it's really tough right now. Interest rates are low, and so if you put money into bonds, uh, Carl, as you probably know, interest rates go up, the bond values go down. It's the same thing with bond funds to a degree, although actively managed bond funds might be hedging against interest rates. But still, you know, I own and, and my wife, uh, because I'm managing her money and she's a little more risk averse than I am, um, owns certain bond ETFs. And the interest rate isn't that great unless you're taking a lot of risk. So bonds are pretty tough right now. Cash is pretty much a guaranteed way to lose money or go backwards. Um, fixed annuities can work pretty well right now. You can get a two and a half, three percent interest rate on a fixed annuity. They're not for everybody, um, but no risk. You know, the insurance company guarantees your principal and no fees. You just have to make a time commitment, kind of like a CD. There are not a lot of great options out there. Um, my mom, my father passed away a few months back, and you know, we redid my mom's portfolio because she doesn't quite understand investments the way my dad did, and we bought high dividend paying stocks, um, which you know, because she can collect that dividend, uh, it doesn't feel like buying growth stocks like Apple or, or Microsoft or something like that or Tesla. Um, she owns big, solid companies that she can um, be familiar with, Procter and Gamble and, and so on, but she collects this stream of income. And so that might be another alternative. But it's tough right now. It's very hard to get safe investments that aren't subject to interest rate risk unless you go to insurance companies. So Joel, one more time before we have to wrap up for today, give us the quick summary of what happens when somebody comes in for their money map retirement review and how they can make that happen. Well, what people love about the money map retirement review is first of all, the output. The output is this beautiful one-page picture. That's why we call it a map of where all your money is. Um, what are your priorities and so on? What's the um, what's the allocation between stocks, bonds, cash? Do you have debt? Do you have insurance? It's all on one page and gives us the ability to have a really great meeting, whether you're a client or somebody that just wants a second opinion uh, on where you're at and where we think you should be going. 
and there's no charge for that. Behind that are an income analysis. Are you going to have enough money to last for the rest of your life? Very important question you should be asking. And how much risk are you taking, like we talked about earlier in this program? And so that's the Money Map Retirement Review. It's complimentary. We've done this thousands of times for people across New England. Obviously, not everyone becomes a client of ours. That's okay. Um, we believe in just giving and helping people, and uh, we do quite fine and with the people that do become clients. And if you don't want to become a client, you still ought to get your Money Map Retirement Review. So give us a call. Come on in. Sit down. Have a cup of coffee. Get your Money Map. Again, it's free of charge, but you will be really happy when you see what comes out of this visit with us and how you can apply it to your financial future. So give us a call. 1-800-705-1232. Somebody will call you back on Monday to set up a time for you to come in and visit. So call us now, 1-800-705-1232. Again, 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your Money Map Retirement Review. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you next week, same time, same place. Have a great one. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.